Welcome to the Mom Manual. Motherhood doesn't come with instructions, but it should. We are on a mission to highlight ordinary moms doing extraordinary things to build the ultimate mom manual. Every week, I have the distinct honor of speaking with women about the lessons they've learned and the inspiration that got them to where they are today. Join us for a conversation that will spark creativity, provide actionable tips, and celebrate the ordinary and extraordinary moments of motherhood. The Mom Manual starts now. Hi everyone, this is Tara Williams with The Mom Manual. I have a very exciting guest today. It is a dear, dear friend of mine, Tammy Ranch. She is the founder and CEO of Tush Baby. Tammy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So Tammy and I are really, really close friends and we became friends actually through our businesses. It started because Tammy is also a Shark Tank alum. So this month we are talking to all Shark Tank brands. So Tammy, if anyone has not heard of Tush Baby or your journey from Shark Tank to global domination, can you give (laughs) us just a quick little background on who you are and the brand and what you guys are up to? First and foremost, I'm a mom, I would say. That's my, my first piece of my identity. I have three little girls. And my background was primarily in software sales. When my second daughter was born, I started to notice as she got a little bit older that she wanted to be carried all the time. She was that baby that up, 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 sitting on the floor, hands up. And I found myself putting on a full carrier and then unstrapping her because she wanted down and putting her back in and up and down, up and down all the time and have this carrier dangling from my hips. And I started thinking, why is there nothing better to help me carry my daughter? Why is there nothing to just take the weight off of her when I hip carry? So I decided to create something. And initially it was supposed to just be for myself. So I had my sister-in-law help me design it. And I had my aunt sew it for me. And what we created was a hip carrier, which you may know what they are now, but back then nobody knew what they were. I didn't know what it was until I created it. And it basically is like a fanny pack. So a strapless carrier that sits on your hip. It's like a seat that sits on your hip above your hip, really, that you can put your baby on to take all the weight off of your, from from your baby. So it evenly distributes the weight of your baby and it absorbs it so that you're not putting strain on your back, arms, wrists, Uh, shoulders and to take it to the next level as we were designing it it's like well now I'm still carrying my baby and a diaper bag on my shoulder because this gives me the ability to go without a stroller when needed and so I decided to put storage in it so now you can put in your diapers your wipes your pouches your keys your sunglasses your sunscreen whatever you need and your baby so it's kind of like a diaper bag and a carrier in one one thing that I always find interesting when I'm listening to people's stories is, is kind of the timeline of events. So what year was this that you came up with the concept? It was 2017. She was born in 2016, but I didn't come up with this till she was about seven or eight months old. So we're talking back in 2017. And at the time, the concept of a hip carrier, a hip seat, I mean, this is an invention, right? So it's not something that had existed or at least not, nothing that you could find commercially. Yeah, I went looking for one to see because I wanted to buy one. And I was like, carrier to hip carry baby, like searching every term I could think of and could not find anything. So that's when I created it. Later, I found out that in other countries, there are types of hip carriers, although they're quite different from Tush Baby. 
They're more of like a, a thick foam insert. There's no storage and they're just a very different product type, but they do the same job in terms of taking the weight off of the baby when you're hip carrying. So I found that out later into the process that they, they did exist in other countries, but then I designed my own type of carrier. So with the storage pockets, with features like loops to attach your toys to and easy fold up features, bottle holders. So yeah, I created my own design for it and brought it to the U.S. market. There was not any that I had known of or anyone I knew knew of any other kind of hip carrier in the U.S. And since my exposure on Shark Tank and also Kickstarter and going viral, there has been a lot of (laughs) hip seats um, introduced to the market. So we kind of created the category here in the United States. So now they're a little bit more well-known, but there aren't a lot of name brands that have them. Mostly they are manufacturers in other countries that are selling them on Amazon. So not quite the same thing. And I can actually attest because I used Tammy's product with my son, Luke, and it is a game changer. So I would definitely be considered a minimalist mom, especially with my fourth baby. I was not trying to have full diaper bags and strollers and and all the things. I just wanted the basics because I knew what I needed. And so the Tush baby for me checked every box especially when I was doing things like going on errands and just wanted to run in the store, but he wanted to be held or I brought it to the beach all the time onto like hikes was huge. So we used it all the time. My son is now four, so he's a little bit too big for it. But Tammy, what's the age range for the Tush baby? So it's newborn up to three years. So you can use it from newborn for breastfeeding support or in a cradle holding position. And then for hip health, we recommend At four months, you can start using it facing in. And at six months, you can use facing in or facing outwards. So yeah, I appreciate you saying that, Tara. We get a lot of outreach from customers telling us how much has changed their life, both parents and grandparents being able to finally, and and caregivers being able to comfortably hold their their child um, and, and get them up and down easily and have something that you can take off and on easily. It's great for around the house, for errands, for hikes. Uh, you name it. So we did find through our huge special community who have really taken to the product. So uh, children that are late walkers or have low muscle tone, it's really helped those families carry their children. So we do give back and donate Tush Babies to the Len Foundation. So if you have or know anyone whose child has cerebral palsy, we give them away at hundred percent free to those families. And then any other sorts of special needs, we offer a 25% discount. And while we don't advertise that you can use it past age three, the weight limit, it it can carry much larger babies than age three and 45 pounds is our recommendation. Yeah. And I love that so much. Um, You know, Tammy has such a heart of gold and part of their mission is that give back. And I just think it's, it's so beautiful. So in light of our Shark Tank month and our second anniversary of being on Shark Tank, we are interviewing Shark Tank founders and we are diving into their businesses. So I know some of the moms listening, maybe you don't have a side hustle or a business. This episode might not be for you, but anyone who has the thought of starting a business on their heart or who has a side hustle, who isn't sure if it's the right time for them, who has a job they hate and they're thinking about leaving to go to a startup, this is the podcast for you. So Tammy is going to jump in and give us three takeaways about running a successful business and really what it takes. So Tammy, will you give us the first takeaway you have? My first takeaway is to network as much as you possibly can. So when I was first getting started, I knew nothing about creating a consumer goods business or 
creating a business at all or financial planning or anything. So what I did was reach out to other brands in the baby industry and just ask for 30 minutes with the founder. And you'd be shocked at some name brands that said yes to this, a lot of small brands. And I just learned a lot from them in terms of what their wins were, what their fails were. And that just helped me get off to the right start to just have a little bit of insight of what to do and what not to do. And also people are so willing to connect you to other people and to, you know, reputable partners that they work with. And that's a great way to get introduced to, you know, business partners, even your, your suppliers, your manufacturers, your web developers, you know, so just connecting and networking. And to Tara's point earlier about us meeting and and how we became connected, that was through Tara doing her due diligence in the early stages and networking with as many people as she could. At that point, I was only, I think about six months ahead in terms of starting my business, but had gone on Shark Tank. And so we found that we had a ton of in common, Tara and I, in terms of our, our personal life and our business life, but both starting baby brands, both going on Shark Tank. We have, you know, stayed in daily communication where we talk multiple times a day and text and, you know, run, run things by each other. So, you know, through networking, you can find casual acquaintances that you might check in with, or you can find a really good friend and someone that you can lean on for support and be there for as well. Or you can find, you know, groups of individuals have been invited into, you know, to different parent brand groups where we all share and collaborate or Shark Tank groups. So it's just a way of, of meeting people and learning. And, and I think without that, my business definitely would have failed. So my recommendation first takeaway would be as you're getting started, network as much as you can. Yeah. I hadn't thought about this in a long time, but how I met Tammy, I had joined a, I think it was a local like women's business group on Facebook. And it was a woman who started a franchise called the coop. I believe it was. And it was in a a town over from us. And so her and I I asked her, Hey, would would you meet me for a coffee? This is pre pandemic. So people were still meeting in person and zoom wasn't really happening so much. She said, yes. So we met. And then she said, there's this other woman in the group. Her name's Tammy Rant. And she was just on shark tank. And at the time I had already filmed, but we hadn't aired or I guess, no, I had talked about applying for it. And so I'm like, oh, I need to meet her. So I called Tammy and we were going to meet for coffee or something. And you had a newborn at the time, Bailey, Mm -hmm. right? It was Bailey. Bailey. So I gave birth in October on the 9th. I launched on October 1st and we aired in January. So I think you came in around March. Yeah. That sounds right. She was, she was almost six months old at the time. Okay. And so, so Tammy had said, Hey, I can't, can't meet you. Cause I think you were breastfeeding or something and you had to feed the baby and the timing didn't work out. And, and you said, come to my house. And I was mm-hmm. like, uh, okay. So I drove to her house. She lives just the next town over from me. And we had this amazing meeting and I'm like, okay, did we just become best friends? Yes. We <laughs> She's about six months ahead of me, did a Kickstarter, went on Shark Tank, launched her website and really everything. So she so much paved the way for me. And six months doesn't sound like a long time, but when you are growing as fast as both of our brands are, I mean, six months, one year is a completely different profile of where your brand is. So that was really amazing. But Timmy, going back for anyone who's listening and they're like, okay, you reach out where to get 30 minutes of time. Like, how do you start that? Where do you find people? How do you locate them? Like, what did that look like for you when you were talking with founders, other founders? So for me, I just went to their website and filled out the contact me form and just said, 
hi, I'm, you know, starting my own business. I'd love to see if it's possible to connect with the founder. In some cases, I went directly to LinkedIn and messaged them directly. You know, some, some won't respond, some will. You'd be surprised. I mean, like brands as big as Aiden and Ace, she responded. Hatch, I had a conversation with Anne from Hatch Baby, who was on Shark Tank, and she gave me a lot of advice. Some smaller brands, Otteroo, it's like a neck floaty for babies. She had a call with me. So I spoke with a lot of people. I took really diligent notes, and then they would tell me other people that I should reach out to. And then when you say, oh, so-and-so referred me to you, they're much more likely to get on a call or answer your email as well. So, you know, my background was in sales. So prospecting and finding the right contacts and convincing them to talk to me was kind of my, my, yeah, that was what I do for a living. So that part came easy. So it's, it's interesting to say that because my background was in sales too and market development and really finding who the right person to talk to is. And with more founders that I talk to, that seems like a common thread, not for everybody, but that there's a sales element. Another place where I found people was on Instagram. I would see other brands who had a similar size following to me, who launched around the same time as me, were doing similar things to me. And if that's working with influencers, or I could tell they were going to trade shows. And then I would literally just DM them and say, Hey, I'm the founder of Dream Lab Baby. Same thing. You know, would you be open to giving me, I usually said 15, 20 minutes of your time. And you would be so surprised how many people, like Tammy said, of big companies, small companies, a lot of people do reach out to me. And the interesting thing I think is it's a lot of kids in high school and college that are in entrepreneur groups. And I'm like, you know what, if you're bold enough to reach out and ask for 20 minutes of my time, I can definitely give that to you. And so many people have given me their time. It's really kind of paying it forward. So the networking piece, critical, reaching out, being bold, like don't be nervous. The worst thing somebody can say is no. And you're literally in the same spot, which is not having a conversation. So you really have nothing to lose. Tammy, beyond reaching out to people, was there any other formal groups that you joined? I talked on other podcasts about how I joined SCORE that helped me just, you know, meet some people who helped me develop my business plan and other things like that. Was there anything formal that somebody could take away from this? As I got started, I, with the Instagram thing, like you mentioned early days, I didn't have even an Instagram account for my business. There was no business. It was just me trying to figure out how to start a business. So that's when I was going to the sites. But now on Instagram, we make connections too. Like you said, we'll connect with other brands and mostly for partnering and working together, maybe on a giveaway or sharing a resource. But we do, we do reach out on Instagram from time to time. And then I'm in a couple of Facebook groups. So, you know, a Shark Tank group on Facebook, a parent entrepreneur group on Facebook that created baby products. And then we also have a a little group chat going with about five other uh, mom brands, which Tara, you know, you're on there as well, where we communicate and share insight. And, you know, it's just great to have a a system there or a support system, even if it just comes down to, you know, how would you handle the situation and getting some advice. And then I'm looking to join a local women entrepreneurs group with you as well, Tara, where we will go in person on a monthly basis and network and meet with other women um, in business. So I told Tammy the other day, I'm like, you're basically my co-founder. Like when I have a big win or if I'm going through something that's, that I'm struggling with, I do not have a co-founder, which is actually pretty unusual. The more I talk to people, it's almost always co-founders that do it together. When I first launched the business, my husband was absolutely not interested. And I looked around and there just really wasn't anyone else who was interested in kind of taking this leap of faith. And so I went at it alone, but it's definitely, if you don't have a co-founder, it's hard 
when you have wins, when you have losses, like you want to share that with somebody. And while I can share it with my team and I do, it's different coming from the perspective of the business owner and the CEO. So I love that Tammy is my pseudo co-founder and we have the same birthday. We are both born on August 10th, which is just we are crazy soul sisters. Yeah. Live five minutes down the road from Our each other. Soccer team. Remember when the yeah, girl- randomly, randomly. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. There's a lot of crazy coincidences yeah. between the two of us. Tammy, what is the next takeaway? My next takeaway is running a business is like riding a roller coaster. There's crazy ups and downs and Tara, you know, this too. And, and like, you had said, I'm your person you call. I call you all the time as well when there's something good or bad going on. And it is like one day you'll wake up and be like, we are killing it. This is amazing. We're going to change lives. We're going to change the world. And then the next day you're doubting yourself. Like, do people even like my uh, ideas? Is this going to fail? Is like all these global logistics happening going to kill my business? And so you're just, it's up and down. And I'd say, ride the roller coaster, stay on it. The best thing you can do is is stick with it. And Tara, the quote you've shared before is the oftentimes the only difference between winning and losing is not quitting. And when that roller coaster is going down, just remember that it always comes back up. It just does. Like you think everything's falling apart and, and that can last, those can come in waves of days, weeks, months. Uh, hopefully not years, but yeah. so far we haven't experienced a, a year long wave, but we've had a several months where I'm like, this is not going well. And then, you know, something happens and everything turns around. So don't give up when it gets hard. And that goes with anything in life. I would say that anything that you care about and you want, and you really are driven to do, do not give up on what you want. Yeah. And, and I think that couldn't be more true. And it ties into your first takeaway of having that networking and that support group, because there are times when you've been down Tammy and I'm like on a Friday night at midnight, like, do not think about this for one more minute. Do not give big light. And she's like, okay, okay. And then like Saturday morning, I'll get a text. She's like, I'm still thinking about it. And vice versa for me too, where it's just like, when I'm down, I have heard of rely on and, you know, you building up through, through a network of support. I think the other thing that is, is really important to note, a lot of times people don't recognize or see the brand until you've quote unquote made it. And people think, oh, dreamland baby, tush baby, overnight success. But what they don't see is the years behind the scene. I mean, I will say this and say it again. I did not pay myself for two full years. Like I did this day in, day out, 12 hours a day, including the weekends, pretty much for my first two years did never paid myself $1. Everything went back to business. And now I pay myself a very, very modest salary because everything goes back into the business. So mm-hmm. for the person who's listening, running a small business is not a get rich quick. It's not a make it and be successful quick. Like these are a slow burn and it's a long journey. Tammy, do you want to share at all? So you started in 2017 and, and how many years you felt like it took where you've, you made it. How do you feel like you've made it yet? I mean, is there a time where Mm. you're like, I'm there? Depends on what day you ask me. (laughs) Um, it depends on what you're measuring, right? Like, I think we've changed some lives. I think we get emails from people holding their baby while they're going through chemo. And it's the only way they can hold on to them because they can't be in strap and care and they can't hold them for, for eight hours without some support. Those days, I feel like we've made it. We've touched lives grandparents that couldn't lift their, their grandbabies couldn't hold them without touch baby people who've had surgeries or people who just couldn't 
carry the weight of their baby. There's, I mean, that's probably the most common one, just like it's too hard. So I have to put them down and they miss out on those extra closeness and the extra time with their babies. I think we've made it in that aspect. We've changed lives. I think we've changed the baby carrier category in the U S market. It's completely different. You know, we've added a whole new category from a business perspective. I feel like we are on track and we're on the right path to making it. I wouldn't say we've made it. We've made it big yet. I mean, we're, we're growing every day year over year, we're improving. And I think we've got great, beautiful, high quality products that people love. And that's exciting. But I think we're on our road to success. We're on the journey every day. I love that you talked about, you know, when you're changing people's lives, I think when you first launch a product, you know, while you love it and it works for you and your friends love it, and then you get those first people that will buy it. And then you still don't really know, like, was it a fluke? Did you know, a hundred people buy it and like it. And then it's a thousand people bought it and liked it. And now it's 10,000 and a hundred thousand. And then at some point you're like, this product works fantastic. And when we can get the feedback, like we're changing lives, you know, my product is sleep related. So when we get those emails that we've given parents their life back, we've saved a marriage because they've had their baby not sleep for six months. And now they're sleeping through the night. They're completely restored. They can go back to work. They can function. You know, it's big statements like that from customers that definitely give you the sense of like, I've made it one milestone that I felt like we made it was when we crossed our first million in sales. There is, and and we talked about another podcast some stats on women's businesses that I think only 3% ever cross a million in annual sales. So our first year that we did that, that was this really, we, we really celebrated. And I think going back to this emotional roller coaster, you have to celebrate the wins and you have to define what is a success and what is a win. So for us, that million dollars in one year, it was on our, the bulletin board. Our team knew about it and we were going to party when we hit it and we were going to stop and we were going to reflect and we were going to say, we did this. Like we set this goal and we crossed it because so often you cross a goal and then it's like, okay, now it's 2 million. Now it's 10 million. Now it's 50 million. Right. And, and you just keep going and going and going, but you're never actually celebrating those wins. So I would encourage anyone who has a small business, even if it's like 10 sales in a week, or if it's, you know, a hundred sales total, whatever it is, it doesn't have to be a huge volume. It can be small, but you define what those wins are or those I've made it moments and then really lean into celebrating them. Yes. I completely agree with that, Tara. I think it's so important to celebrate all the wins, whether they're big or small, it keeps you motivated. It keeps you excited and it keeps you feeling like you are on your path and to success and to making it quote unquote. So yeah, that is, that is something that we do too at Tush Baby. And we definitely have milestones and, and that we reach for and we set really high goals. And, you know, I, I learned it my, my time at LinkedIn and Salesforce that when you set goals, they're usually set in terms of like a big organization that 50% of the people should be able to hit it and 50% won't. So a challenging enough that like not everyone will do it, but enough that it's within reach. And so that's how I try to set my goals where it's something that it's not going to be easy to hit, but it's also not impossible. So yeah, I, I love that. And that ties in really well to my third takeaway, which is work ethic, because you're not going to hit those goals if you don't have a strong work ethic. So um, working hard, uh, sorry, we're the opposite working smart and not hard. You're obviously going to work very hard, but one big mistake I see is people working really, really hard 18 hour days, but they're not working smart or efficiently. So having a really strong work ethic and being willing to put in the time, like you said, Tara, when you are starting, you're working, you know, like 
every day of the week. And there is some sort of work-life balance. You have to be able, you can't sustain that long-term, right? You have to be able to make time for things um, outside of work and your family and your children and your life and your identity, or you'll lose that easily. So that's why I say work smart because give yourself the hours that the business needs, but try not to work extra hours unless it's absolutely necessary, but you have to have stamina and you have to have the ethic for it to work hard and, and do it. So a lot of people like, uh, and, and me it too, it's, you know, starting off, I thought it was going to be easy, <laughs> a lot easier than it is like, Oh, I've got this amazing idea. I've got this product. People love it. All I need to do is, you know, make this money and sell them for this amount. And I'll be making this much money. It, it does not go that way. It is very, very hard. There's unexpected expenses. There's unexpected things that you just don't know that you don't know. Um, so it's not easy, but if you believe in it, and you believe you have an idea that you believe in, this is something that you want. This is a, a job that you want, a career that you want, then take it, take the leap of faith. It's scary. It's, it's crazy scary. You put everything on the line. I, you know, I left a, a really great job at LinkedIn to do this full time, not knowing if this was going to work, but you, if you're not all in, you can't expect anyone else to be, and you can't expect your customers to be. So you have to be all in and make that leap of faith and, and work your butt off. But try to figure out that work-life balance. And the best way to figure it out is jump in, do it, ride the roller coaster and learn from other people on what they did and how they manage it and take all those little bits of information and apply it in your own journey. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And there was a funny meme that somebody sent and it said, I left my nine to five to work 24 seven. And that could not be more true. You know, another thing I think people leave their job and say, you know, I want to be my own boss. I want to have flexible hours. I want to work whatever I want to work. And while that all is true, if you aren't putting in a significant amount of time and effort, then your business is not going to succeed. If you think you can start your own business and then go on vacation three weeks out of the month, like it's not going to go anywhere because nobody will ever care about your business the way you will. And nobody will drive the team and motivate people the way you will. Cause it's, I mean, I think we all look at our businesses and we say, it's our baby. For me, it's my fifth baby. I have four kids and I have Dreamland baby. And um, I spend a lot of time with my fifth baby <laughs> being Dreamland. Tammy, do you have um, any advice in terms of, you also have three young children in terms of how to achieve that work-life balance? Well, for me, I had to decide at one point that like, I am not working these specific hours anymore. And those hours were the morning when my kids are getting out on weekdays. Obviously I, I get up early before them to do that now to check my email and go through and get my morning started with work. And then I stop. And I help my kids in the morning. I get them dressed. I brush their teeth and make them breakfast. I pack their lunch and I take them to school. And then I work all day. And then they get home. And when I pick them up from school till when I put them to bed, that is my time with my family. Not to say that I don't, I mean, I talk to you. We text and we talk about work and, and things like that. But during that time, I'm not taking calls. I'm not replying to emails. I'm giving that time to my children. And not to say that it's always been that way. It took a couple of years to get to this point where I have the support internally. I've got enough people on my team that are also seeing the emails that do work some different hours or different time zones than me that can handle it. But I needed to, for the longevity of the business, for my family, for my happiness, I needed to have a little bit more boundaries around having a separation between work and life 
because I work from home. I'm in the baby industry. My kids are doing videos and photos with me with, with our products and testing prototypes. And there needs to be some sort of like time in your day that's dedicated just to them because my business gets so much time dedicated just to it. So I felt like I needed that separation. So I took that. And then on weekends, I will work here and there, but for the most part, I, I do log in every day and work every day on the weekend, but I no longer put in full days on weekends. And that I had to pay my dues. I had to do it at the beginning. There's no choice if I wanted this to be successful. I had to. But now as we're more established, I have set boundaries so that I can sustain this. And Timmy, when you say pick up your kids from school, that's at about what five o'clock, right? Yeah. My kids go to after school program. So yeah, I don't. Uh, one is in preschool and two, what I've got a TK and a second grader and none of them get out at, you know, two ten like when school lets out, they go to like a after school little program for a couple hours. They do their homework, they play with their friends. And then I actually take off around four to start getting them yeah. every day. Where we are, I, at Dreamland Baby, I used to work seven days a week and like full work days. And I made the mental decision for myself that I was going to completely take off Saturday and Sunday. So I do not open my email. I won't do work at, like literally at all. I am completely off and completely dedicated to my kids and my family. During the week, I do work from seven to seven every single day. We have help in the morning. So um, we have someone who helps uh, get the kids up and dressed and off to school and she helps make dinner. And then, you know, me and my husband take over at seven and hang out with the kids for a few hours at night. And so really I'm getting for me that quality time in on the weekend and I am, I am trying to get a better work-life balance where I'm scheduling things in like volunteering at school or, you know, just taking off early to go do a play date some days, but it's really hard. It's a hard balance. And I think that if you don't have that strong work ethic and you aren't dedicated to the success of your business by putting in those hours, that it's not going to be successful. And, and I don't think there's anybody I know who doesn't work, you know, at least 50, 60, 70 hours on a small business that, you know, is, is really is uh, making forward progress. So that's um, maybe a positive or not, but I think it, it is what it is. And so for anyone considering, you know, definitely keep that in mind. And the final thing I would say on that is I started Dreamland Baby when I had gotten laid off from my job. I was at a startup and they actually did not get funding and their door shut. So the whole company, nobody had a job anymore. But I would have never quit my job and started this without having an income, basically. So it just happened that I was able to put a lot more time and attention into the business because I was currently unemployed. But I would recommend to everybody, until you get to a spot where you can pay yourself, continue to do your job, your current job. And that's, I think, where we hear these people where they're working 9 to 5, and then they're working from 5 p.m. to midnight, and then they're waking up at you know, 5 a.m. to 7, and they're doing really two jobs. And a lot of people do that for years before they feel comfortable to quit their kind of day job and move into full-time CEO of whatever company you're running. I will agree with that. So I said, go all in. I don't mean on day one. It takes some time to get there. You have to work behind the scenes for a long time before you're ready to launch. And even when you launch, like I didn't quit my job until at least a year past launch, I think maybe even a year and a half past when we launched. So it, it does take some time and, and I needed that second income, but yeah, it was crazy times in a newborn baby, you know, waking up and then working the middle of the night hours. Cause I was, you know, going to work during the day, but I was fortunate too, in the sense that when I launched, I was still on maternity leave as well. 
So I, I was working with a, an, a newborn and could give Tush baby uh, the time I was on leave, but it, it did take away from, you know, some of my hundred percent dedicated time to my newborn that my other two kids got, but yeah, it is, it's finding that balance. And then when I went back, it was, you know, working middle of the nights or late nights, getting my kids to bed and then working. Or during that time, a lot of it was, I wasn't putting the kids to bed that night. I was working until seven or eight, but Tara, what time do your kids go to bed? If you're, you're up for a couple hours after they go to bed, um, you pick up it. It's usually like eight 30. Yeah. Okay. So they, they sleep eight 30 and then they wake up at seven in the morning. Sometimes they're even up till nine. The, the goal is always, is always eight o'clock, but that pretty much never happens. But yeah, I mean, I think everyone it's, it's going to be different for everybody. And, and I do remember those nights where I was up night after night after night till, you know, three, four, four in the morning. Like it sounds insane. I realize how important sleep is to me. So I go to bed now every night at 1030 on the dot. I wake up at 630, start my day at seven. So it's just finding that kind of rhythm and groove. But Tammy, this was so much good advice. I always love pulling back the curtain on other small businesses. And you are a small business until you're doing, I think a hundred million in revenue. So we are all small businesses and really just hearing how they grew and the advice from every founder is always different. So I hope you all took something away from this and we are going to jump into a really quick fire round, Tammy. So I have a couple questions for you. It's just fun. Um, what are you currently binging on TV? Ted Lasso. So good. I love it. Yeah, it's it's lighthearted, it's fun, it's easy to watch. Uh, that is our current binge. And what is your most recent book you've read? The last book I read was called Verity, and it was like a thriller. What was it? Someone died. I don't even really remember, but this was when I went to Mexico for vacation like about a year ago, and that was the last time I was able to actually read a book for fun. Oh, okay. I'm Tammy knows I'm a huge book reader. Like I am constantly, I will actually block time, all business books. I block time in my day to read. So Tammy, we got to get you on some more books, girlfriend. I used to read like all the time, but that was, I was commuting to the city and I'd read on BART there. uh, BART is the train that we would ride to and from San Francisco. And I was reading so many books. And since I've worked from home, I've been really bad about it. And I need to read books for the business, but I also need to read books for entertainment. And I have not done that in literally a year. And I see, I can't even remember what that book was about. It's been so long. Okay. So my book right now that I just, I just actually, so entertainment, I usually listen to on audiobook and then business. I'll read the physical books. I like to highlight things, but I just started dope sick by Beth Macy on audiobook. It's actually a Hulu series. It's so interesting. It's about the opioid epidemic in the United States. Um, it's a little bit dark and heavy, but if anyone's listening, looking for a good one that I just started and it, I'm, I'm about an hour in it's really good. There was a show, a dope sick show on the same thing as well. I watched that. And I would also, if you like dark, uh, euphoria, it's dark, but so well done. So well produced. The acting is phenomenal. That was the last thing we binged before this. So I love it. Okay. What is your go-to productivity app? Oh, within the business. Oh yeah. It would be Slack. We're on that all day long. Um, but you know, Shopify has an app. I would say that's a big one that we're on a lot. Um, and WhatsApp and um, for networking and communicating with the groups that I'm in. Yeah. And what, what's your go-to de-stressor? Well, I'm not a drinker, so I don't drink. So that is not my de-stressor and I don't exercise as of, gosh, there's a lot of things I'm taking away. I need to work <laughs> out and read. I would say my de-stressor is at the end of the day, getting my, my children down and like 
sitting down with my husband and talking with him and watching a show together. I just need that to unwind. Yeah. And I think you do such a good job with that with your husband too. And that's because that's at night when I'm like, when I am reading my book and I love that that's your de-stressor spending time with your husband. Okay. So where, if anyone wants to find you, follow Tush Baby, buy a Tush Baby, where can they do that? So our website is www.tushbaby.com. You can follow us on Instagram at tushbaby. And the, if you're buying on our website, we are offering a promo code. It's dream for, for dreamland baby listeners. Um, it's dream 20 for 20% off. And we very rarely give 20% off. That's like our, you know, it's gotta be something really big and special to do that. So, uh, take advantage while you can, um, you can get it from our website now at the 20% off for the next two months. Thank you so much. Dream 20, everyone. And I know they never do sell. So 20%, that's like your Black Friday. Thank you. Thank you. We, we'll put you that in welcome. show notes also. Um, Tammy, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's been so fun. And if anyone has any questions or they're looking to network and connect or just pick my brain to learn something as you're trying to get started, you can reach me directly at Tammy at tushbaby.com. That's T-A-M-M-Y at tushbaby.com. Thank you. Have a great day. Thanks, Sarah. You too.